was the last time you attended a slumber party with your girlfriends and discussed issues on your heart? If you're like me, it's been quite some time. Hi and welcome. My name is Belise Gerwitz and I welcome you to tonight's Mommy Jammies Night. This is a time for you and my friends from around the world to join us live. Put on a comfortable pair of pajamas, pull up a chair, and settle in with your favorite refreshment. And prepare to be blessed as I welcome tonight's guest. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I am your host tonight for Mommy Jammies Night. And today we have a very special friend uh, that is joining us, and that is Jean Burke, who is an author and publisher and uh, really an international speaker. Uh, Jean has been all over teaching her college prep genius curriculum. And uh, today Jean is going to be with us, and she's going to be talking about um, – marriage, and the topic is the grass isn't always greener, it's still grass. Welcome, Jean. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm excited, Jean, because you and I were talking, um, and uh, we uh, record a podcast for you uh, on this network, and it's um, the College Prep Genius uh, podcast, and you talk all about uh, all kinds of things, and I had... um, a slot open on Mommy Jammies Night, and I asked you, and it was it's totally different than what you normally do, but I just love you. You're such a trooper, and you're mm-hmm. you're like, yes, and I, and in the course of our conversation, by the time we were done, you even had a name uh, for the, um, the, the uh, presentation tonight, and this is something that's uh, dear to both of us, um, but Jean, tell us a little bit about your family before you get started here. Well, I've been married to Jim for 32 years, and we have two kids. My son, uh, Josh, is finishing up law school uh, in May, and my daughter uh, actually is on the opposite end of the world. He's on the East Coast. She's on the West Coast, and she actually works for the FBI. So they're just uh, such a blessing, and I'm really excited, and they're just a great support. Um, You know, we talk every day, and... I just love him so much, and I, I, I just thank God all the time that, you know, he gave me kids that I don't deserve. Uh, but, Aww. you know, it's it's been great. It's been um, a wonderful ride, um, you know, seeing them get free college and, you know, the getting the free grad school, law school, and all that, and being able to teach that. And then having a husband uh, who supports me, doesn't like necessarily being a bachelor when I'm gone, but uh, he's always been behind everything that we've done. That's wonderful, and um, and so tonight you're going to talk about this topic, and so um, I uh, wanted to remind people where they can find you, and if you go to collegeprepgenius.com, you'll find all kinds of information there about college prep in high school, and um, and Jean has, uh, you know, something she gives away if you sign up for her e-zine, and that really helps you stay informed and also um Jean will come to your area, which we've been trying, I think, for about two years now to get Jean uh, down to Florida. She comes a lot, but on the other coast. Uh, And uh, I get to meet Jean this year at the FPEA conference, so I'm really excited about that. And um, we'll finally get to meet (laughs) face-to-face. We've been (laughs) friends for a couple of years now online, so I'm looking forward to that. But Jean... I'm going to go ahead and sit back and um, listen to your presentation, and then I will be back at the end. All right, great. Thank you. 
Well, I, I did in childhood, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's still grass. And, you know, if you read my synopsis of tonight, you know, I talked about, you know, once you start getting closer, you know, you kind of start to realize that oftentimes it's really fake or it has worse problems than you can, you can see from afar off. And grass really does grow where you water it. And, and oftentimes the difference in a garden and a wilderness is the cultivation and the nurturing that's given. So what we're going to talk about tonight is learning the landmines that sabotage our marriage, uh, the miracle grow key that will give you a relationship, that excitement that you once had when you were dating. I, you know, I know being a mom and wife, so much is going on, and sometimes we're just so bogged down. So hopefully I can encourage you tonight and give you some keys that have, you know, have worked in my marriage and, and I've seen over the years, and I always like to learn new things. So I, I went to the Oxford Dictionary to look up where this proverb came from. The grass is always greener on the other side. We know that a lot. And, you know, it lists that it wasn't so much a specific proverb, but it really came more from the Latin words, uh, fertilia, segus, es, alino, simpa, and arvo, which was basically coined by Erasmus of Rotterdam in 1545. Uh, which translated, the corner of another man's ground always seems more fertile than my own. And, you know, what's really interesting is a lot of scholars have proven that the optical illusion or the perceptual law uh, happens, uh, you know, when we see grass from afar, it looks, looks greener, you know, because of our human eye, because the blades are perpendicular. And this is why a lot of times you see those horses and those cows that are that are trying to get to the other side of the fence because of the grass, even though they have plenty in their fields, because the same thing happens with their eyes. And it appears that it's more lush and it's, it's, it probably would taste better. Uh, really, our, our perception isn't reality once if you really think about it. Um, you know, I love the analogy of the yard because we can all relate to it. You know, a yard might be something that we, you know, want to covet from somebody else because it appears much more beautiful and yard of the month club and, you know, something that we wouldn't be ashamed of, you know, without any flaws. But, again, once you start actually getting inside, maybe going inside their house, maybe their house is cluttered, maybe it's disorganized, maybe there's bugs or everything's ugly, and or they spend a lot of time, you know, putting on a big front for everyone to see. But then – you know, you look at the backyard and it's got a broken fence or a lot of broadleaf weeds. And so here, here's the bottom line that I really want to encourage um, the moms out there today, especially when you start getting weary and, and tired or you think that you've got a lot of problems, is that anytime you start thinking the grass is greener in someone else's marriage, somebody else's life, somebody else's family, you know, what happens a lot of times people who think that and then they, they you know, go they leave their family or they go do something else. And what they're really doing is they're just trading problems. And in many cases, they're even adding to them. You know, sometimes you hear about a man who has a, a home, he's got older kids, nearly grown, and he all of a sudden leaves his wife to someone who has a bunch of toddlers. And now he's starting all over again, you know, with somebody else's kids. Uh, you know, they're not going to like him. Uh, or now there's alimony, child support, you know, oh, running expenses. I think the bottom line is this. Everyone is flawed. You are never going to find a perfect person. It simply means that you're human. And, you know, sadly, you know, for Gemini, you know, we have known several, several couples. Once 
known as pillars in the church that, that are divorced now. I mean, they've got destroyed families. There's lack of trust. Um, not to mention the blown witness of, of Christ um, that they once had. So, you know, it's, it's something other that's becoming very prevalent in the church. And, you know, you know, as long as we're talking about laws and using that analogy, I, I, I'll tell you my long story to kind of, and then I'll lead up to talking about how that relates to marriage. You know, everywhere we've lived, we, we, t- we tend to live next to the guy that it has the perfect lawn. I mean, the yard of the month club. I mean, they win it. One time we lived next to a guy who literally took out all his grass and put in golf course grass and mowed it three times a week. And boy, did our lawn pill in comparison. You know, we barely get it mowed just so we don't get a ticket from the city. I mean, that's what we do. We, if we do that much, we think we're doing great. And, you know, we bought this house that I live in right now about 10 years ago, and it was a HUD home and had a lot of problems, and we kind of slowly decorated it. And one of the things that came with was a sprinkler system. And, you know, it just sat there, it front and back, and we never did anything with it. And a couple of years ago, I got a, a bright idea of thinking, wow, I'm going to get this fixed. See what, what heads are broken, what's wrong. And I really want a nice lawn for a change. And so we did. And, you know, we set the timer for like three times a week, you know, that schedule. And being consistent at that for a while, we had the most, beautiful, luscious, green weeds you ever saw. So, I mean, I mean, they were beautiful from afar. I mean, you would think that our lawn was gorgeous. And then once you got closer, all you could see was the weeds. And so, you know, it didn't really do us any good to water because we didn't pull out the weeds. And so I want to talk about, um, you know, to get that marriage, to get that amazing relationship, that family that, you know, you may or may not have already or you just need some, some you know, just some new little ideas. I, w- I want to talk about, you know, what we need to do to bring our marriage alive again. What do we need to do uh, to make it green and lush and, and I, I don't want to say the word enviable, but something that people that, that are looking at our family would desire because they know we're not perfect. But yet there's still something different. So even though you may have your sprinkler system fixed, you have to get rid of the weeds. So I want to talk about some weeds that are in our marriage that if you don't pull them out, they're just going to keep growing. They're just going to keep multiplying. And, and I think the first one that is very prevalent in today's society and is very relevant is social media. Social media is kind of the marriage minefield or, or, or landmine that's planted and that's destroying so many marriages. I've seen statistics anywhere from 20 to as high as 33% of marriages or divorces or separations citing Facebook, for example, as the cause. And not only just because you know, you're on there and you are maybe getting acquainted with an old boyfriend and somebody you've never met before. But there's a lot of times, you know, married couples are posting inappropriate messages. And maybe a friend of a friend might see that and let your spouse know. And so, you know, there's a lot of nasty wars going back and forth. And some people fight their battles in front of everyone, airing their dirty laundry. So I think that Facebook itself, not only has caused, not itself, but it's a tool, it's a vehicle. It, I guess we could use anything 
but it's something that you have to be very, very aware of uh, that uh, can cause a lot of problems, causing a lack of trust, you know, finding that your spouse is maybe saying some things or, or posting pictures that they shouldn't be doing. And 66% found evidence on a social media site like Facebook that caused contention or caused problems or dissatisfaction in the marriage. So it's something that you need to be really aware of. Uh, Snapchat being another way, you know, thinking that maybe you could get away with stuff in reality. I think what's really important when it comes to social media um, as as a married couple, as a wife, as someone who needs to uh, pr- protect her home and protect the heart of everyone in their home, is we, we definitely need to be cautious. We need to be careful. We need to have time limits. It's, it's so easy. And I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of getting on it and just perusing it and seeing what's going on. And, and before you, I've known it, I haven't got a lot of my own work done. I think it's important um, as a married couple that your spouse has all your passwords. The same thing you would do with your children. Uh, have passwords. Uh, let it be open that they can obviously look at it at any time. Um, be very, very careful of opposite-sex relationships because you know, everybody looks great on Facebook. I mean, that's just the bottom line. It's like the new office. You know, you're you're perfect. You don't have, you know, there's no trouble. You don't have any troubles. You know, you can look your best, put your best pictures on there. And so it's very, it, it uh, can be very scary, for, especially for marriages. And I, I know for me personally, I have a LinkedIn account, and I will literally get people I have no idea who they are who will send me messages of, you know, trying to flatter me or say, oh, you're beautiful and let's meet and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I would never have thought that some, something like that caused that kind of reaction. And, you know, I learned to just ignore those or, or defriend them or de- how it is, deconnect with them on, on, on LinkedIn. It, it sounds good and all, but you know what? That's a danger to, to, your, to your marriage and, and to your family. And and to your relationship with the Lord. So it's something you need to be very, very cautious on. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that I, I, I feel like when it comes to uh, social media in general is if you're typing something or posting or something, you know, you have to ask yourself, would, you know, would I hide this if my husband walked by? Is it something that I would do in front of him? If, and if not, then you need to stop because, it's only going to bring the parents to your marriage. And I think another um, area, that another weed that we need to pull out, so to speak, is our entertainment. What is what is fixating our time? You know, whether it's the movies or some music you're listening to or the internet. You know, this is a barometer um, to see whatever I'm watching, whatever I'm listening to, is this going to draw me closer to my husband or is it going to draw me further or, or cause division, uh, keep me away from him or draw me away, farther away from him. You know, the porn industry, um, which has just devastated families, uh, I read some different statistics. One said 50% of women have admitted to uh, participating in some kind of porn once a week. Uh, in today's Christianity, they did a survey, and this is among Christian women, and 40% said they were addicted to porn. So, you know, whether it's um, 
you know, some kind of lack of contentment, you know, uh, whatever it is, you know, garbage in is always going to be garbage out. And, you know, we, we have a society where our, our church, the churches, you know, have no problem with speaking out against, you know, homosexuality and, and that sort of sin. But what we're not seeing is a real, I guess, war against divorce and adultery or even fornication, um, you know, that's, can be offensive to someone in the church, and, and I think that that needs to change. You know, we live in a society where marriage has been so cheapened, you know, by quick divorce, or shows like uh, Married at First Sight, or Married by Mom and Dad, Sister Wives, where marriage is not something sacred anymore that was created by God between a man and a woman, but now it's just something that's very flippant, and anybody can do it at the drop of a hat, and if it doesn't work out, it's not, not that big of a deal. But I do want to talk about, as long as we're in the area of entertainment or pornography or inappropriate material, to women. I mean, I'm talking to us women, you know, with discontentment, you know, a lot of times in, in marriages. But I want to use the acronym SCARS, S-C-A-R-S. So this is for you out there moms and wives that maybe have start, sort of started, you know, kind of indulging or getting involved, or maybe you've been doing it for a long time, or maybe you haven't done it, but maybe there are some some things in your life that are not, not necessarily drawing you to your husband, but, you know, putting a gap between you. Um, the first uh, word in SCARS is surrender. You know, that's the first thing we do. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We can surrender this addiction or habit or sin over to him. And that that really is our first step when it comes um, to getting rid of these scars or these uh, these uh, weeds that are filling up our marriage and, and, and causing, you know, havoc and causing that love that we once had or that, that unity that we once had to be diminishing. See confession. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. We, we we have to confess it. You know, we trying to do something on our own or or being uh, you know sort of strong of I I can I can conquer this. You know, that doesn't work. Sin is more than you know something that we can take on and we, we couldn't take it on. That's why Jesus took it on the cross for us. Accountability, A, Proverbs twelve fifteen. the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. It's very, very important that if we're struggling, and if you don't even feel like you can even tell your husband, I mean, it, there needs to be accountability. I know my son deals with this a lot with his his groups, his, his uh, young men's group and his, his community groups when he was in California, now in Virginia. And, you know, they always get together in the end. The men get together, the women get together, and the number one problem is the pornography that's very rampant. And they have some really cool things now that they each have on their phones and or their computers that if a device, it, whatever it is, goes to an inappropriate site, it's their accountability partners are automatically alerted. And it's something that they can sit and talk with each other and pray with each other over because they know the struggles they're having. And our responsibility, Ezra 410, rise up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. The only person that is going to 
take the step and and to make the decision to rid themselves of anything inappropriate in their life or anything that's causing a hindrance in their marriage is, of course, going to be you yourself. Take take the responsibility. And then S sharing, Revelation 12:11. They have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. I think once we start speaking it and saying, you know, God has delivered me from this. God has opened up my eyes. You know, I know we all have blind spots, but it's important that we we get it out. Don't hold it in and just, you know, no, no telling who we can help who may be struggling with something similar or even something that um, just is devastating. You know, our flesh will lie to us. That's, that's it. You know what I mean? We can tell ourselves all day long how this won't hurt or that won't hurt or it's not that big of a deal or just once or whatever. But that's just our flesh talking. You know, I, I always told my kids, um, especially as a homeschooling mom, you know, especially when we were entering the quote-unquote dating age and my kids were in their mid to late teen, uh, 16, 17 years, you know, they never really dated or anything. We didn't allow that. And I, I always told them, I said, you know what, don't put yourself in a position to sin because you will. Don't even get yourself in that position because your flesh will lie to you. And I, I think that we as wives need to really hold on to that and say, you know, you know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm certainly going to justify my sin. And if I just don't even go there, then, then I can protect myself and my family. And, and just ridding yourself of any, any, any of these relationships, you know, like flirting is emotional adultery. I know flirting is nice. We like that. We like being flattered. But it's it's wrong. It's inappropriate. And, you know, we have to make sure that whatever we, we're doing is not going to hinder our relationship. Not hiding anything. Not you know, if we're hiding it, let's get real with ourselves and say then it obviously is it was something that our husband was would not approve of. So by pulling out these weeds, these these things in our lives that we know are choking out our marriage and choking out the love and the intimacy and, and the closeness that we have, this is something that I, I think will start you'll start to see your marriage grow and, and flourish. And I want to talk about now, you know, we've got the, some of the weeds out. Now let's talk about fertilizing because I think, you know, even when you pull the weeds out, they're going to try to come back up again, and we're going to have to basically replace them with something that, that's going to be the best for our marriage. And so the first type of fertilizer uh, is basically to live as one flesh. You know, Genesis 2.22, 2.24, and Mark 10.8 says so a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I found it very interesting that God told Adam and Eve to leave their father and mother, and they must have thought, well, what's a father and mother? <laughs> you know, well, what is that supposed to mean? But, you know, the two shall be one, period. That's what it says, shall be one. It doesn't say the two shall be one if you find someone better, or if he doesn't get fat, you know, or if he's not my soulmate, doesn't work out, you know. The word soulmate is a very worldly made-up term to basically uh, justify sin, justify discontentment. Well, he wasn't my soulmate, so I, you know, I found someone else. Uh, you know, I think that we could probably marry a lot of different people, and it would work, and we would be happy. I don't believe in this soulmate. I, this world is not all about us. It's all about him. And so I think that 
that's something that we kind of need to get out of our vocabulary and not be like the world. So when we're talking about living as one flesh, you know, it's God's instructions to us married couples so clear for us to be one flesh. We have we have a higher calling to marriage, more more than what the world offers, beyond our commitment, beyond our promise, beyond our vows. One flesh means it's that separation is impossible. And and we need to hold on to that. We need to we need to solidify that in our hearts. That if we are one, then you can't be separated. You know, his struggles, my husband's struggles, are my struggles. My sin is going to affect him. We need to, I guess we need to look at the big picture. When I do this one thing, how is it going to affect him? How is it going to affect our relationship? And, you know, when we're talking about being one flesh, it's, it, it's in several areas. You know, emotionally, you know, when we were babies, when we were kids, just like your children, they were completely dependent upon you as the parent, or you were dependent upon your parents. Um, but now, emotionally, we are dependent upon each other as one flesh. Spiritually, becoming one flesh, praying together, reading the Bible together, physically one flesh, being able to approach intimacy with, this, with an unselfish heart. You know, sex is God's wedding present to married couples. You know, I saw a thing on Facebook just yesterday. It said, boyfriends don't get husband privileges, period. I, I You know, I, I always liken um, that to stealing. You know, if you're not married, you're stealing benefits that don't belong to you. Also, becoming one flesh financially instead of my money, our money, us working together, respecting one another in this area. And then, of course, becoming one flesh intellectually. I think sometimes it's a very overlooked area. You know, one one body can't have two minds. Always challenging each other, whether you're reading a book together or watching a documentary or, or talking about events or even in, in this time, politics, whatever it is, playing games or, or puzzles, something that we can do together. And another fertilizer that we want to put into our marriage, another something that's going to hand, and that is the dreaded word submission. You know, when I first read the book, Me, Obey Him by Debbie Pearl, I remember the story when she was counseling a, a young a young girl, a young married couple, and the, the wife, and she was talking about submission and what it really was, and, and, and kind of like, I hear this a lot, she, the young girl said, yeah, but what if he asked me to murder someone? And Debbie said, has he ever asked you to murder someone? And she said, no. And she said, why would you think he would ask you to do that? You know, the scriptures are clear that a husband's authority and his headship is not about power, but responsibility to serve and protect and honor his wife. And our response to his leadership is supposed to seek the Lord together. You know, we know what submission is. We've heard that you know, submit and everything. Let's talk about what submit, submission is not. It's not agreeing on everything. You know, if he were to ask you to sin or to violate God's word or to compromise your allegiance to Christ or harm your children, uh, even enable his sin or, or abuse, murder, even as I just said, um, that you don't, you don't do that. I mean, that's obviously, that's not submission. Also, it's, you're not a robot. I mean, you have a brain. You don't check your thoughts at the door. You're you're a part of a team, and and there's 
security and safety in that submission because your husband is ultimately going to be responsible and he knows that. And so there, there is that something that you can rest assured in when you, when you submit to um, his leadership. And submission doesn't mean that you can't influence your husband or have a say. It doesn't mean that you're left out in the cold. It doesn't mean um, that it's my way or the highway. Not, not at all. And it also means that you don't put your husband's will above Christ. He is your Lord. He is who you will ultimately answer to. And so, again, going back underneath that, not agreeing to do anything against Scripture. And, and submission also is not gaining your spiritual strength from your husband because your hope is in God. That is something that you do on your own. But as a team, you can draw upon each other's strength. And, of course, it's, it's not living in fear, you know, trusting in God, the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm your husband's leadership. And something else that we need to incorporate into our marriage as another type of fertilizer, and that is to seed and feed our relationship. These are things that you could be doing, you know, daily or weekly. And I think one of the things that, that I learned a long time ago is that the first five minutes, when your husband walks in the door, and the first, the last five minutes before he walks out of the, the door, sets the tone for the day. So if you're upset with him, or you said something, or something didn't go right, it really is going to affect him the whole entire day. So, if you have the great opportunity to set the mood for the day, you know, read affectionately every time you see him. You know, when he walks in the door, right before he leaves, give him, give him, give him a kiss, and I think. You're going to set the tone for an amazing day. Uh, you can also make your bedroom the sanctuary. You know, keep it clean and free of distractions. You know, maybe remove the TV if you want, the computers. But let that be a place um, that is, is safety. It's like for your kids when they come home, it's their, it's their refuge. And I think, you know, honoring his time. You know, I, I, I didn't do this very well when I was first married. You know, when, you know, when, my sisters, I had three sisters, and they were over all the time, and we were really close, and I didn't realize what it was doing to my husband. I didn't really say anything for a long time. But I think to honor that time that no one be over, or don't be on the phone when he comes home, or in my case, you know, and I, this is preaching to the choir here, but stop working, you know, get off the computer. I, I'm, really, I'm really bad about that. Uh, another way to, you know, keep that feeding and seeding all day long is, you know, a, a quick phone call to him at work or, um, a love note in his in his bag or his lunch or you know we we, we have the ability now to send these fun sexy kind of texts and cards you know I do that too you know especially when I travel a lot and he's not with me and I I do send uh, a lot of little things to him so I think that just to say I'm, I'm thinking about you and then of course something that that we need to do every day or to again feeding and feeding is is grace. You know, a key ingredient or a nutrient in God's love. You know, without grace, your love, your marriage becomes really nothing more than a barter system where you can only give as much you're given or forgive as much as you're forgiven. Season your love with grace, especially when it's not deserved. That's what it means. It's undeserved. You know, not a, not a 50, divorce is 50 50. Marriage is not. And, and, and divorce is a, is a period of part of one person, not two. So 
God's plan really is for us to love ourselves more than ourselves. And he says that all throughout his words. Now, this doesn't let our husbands off the hook or, or their responsibility uh, to us as the wife. I mean, the word tells us that they should love their wives sacrificially as Christ gave himself for us. That's, that's a huge responsibility on them. And I'm so thankful that's on them and not on us. I mean, that's, that's someone who laid their life down when we didn't deserve it. And this is, this is how they're to love us. But we're talking about us and, and our grace toward them. You know, keeping your eyes on, on the Lord to fulfill your role, not worrying so much about his role, but what your role is. You know, you can't change someone, but you can certainly affect their heart by the way you live or the way you act or even the way you respond. I think we all in a marriage, you know, oh, I'm going to change him in this area or that area. And it, it doesn't work. It never has worked. And it probably will never, ever work. But, but God can change your heart. I, I can remember really one time getting really, really mad at my husband, and I don't know what it was, and I just was, like, praying about it. And, you know, God said, you know what? You're not the Holy Spirit. not your job. Pack up your bags. Get out of the office. You know, it, it, it's my job. My job. Do you trust me enough to speak with him? Do you trust me, the Holy Spirit, enough to do my job? And I think that's what we can do as wives is if our husbands are failing in the area or doing things that we don't agree with, uh, or watching a TV show that we think is inappropriate, or whatever it is, we need to trust the Holy Spirit and pray for him and let him convict him. Not us. We just become nags. We just become, you know, someone who is is uh, trying to destroy them or trying to bother them. And, and we don't want to come off of that. So we always give over to the Lord. And the last thing we need to do, of course, is when it comes to uh, fertilizing our marriage or being able to to see it grow, and, and that is to water. You know, you everything needs water to grow. But you can't pour contaminated water on a lawn to get that green grass. You know, you, it, it, sometimes mm-hmm. if a couple says, hey, you know what, you know, we're, we're having trouble or we're having disagreements or things aren't going well, and I think one of the telltale signs is say, when are you in the word? Have you been reading the word? When's the last time you read the word? You know, how much time has gone by? You know, God's word changes us. It's living. It's breathing. It's without error from cover to cover. You know, something we all to do as, as, as believers, as, as married couples, is not only to read the word separately, but certainly together and, or, or have devotions together. Daily watering our marriage with the word means we can live in in the calm amongst all the haste. We can fill our tanks and nourish us spiritually, draw, in it, draw on it for our strength, give us wisdom. You know, we can't do this thing alone, this life alone, this marriage thing, this mom thing. We can't do it. We need that word from heaven. It equips us. It challenges us. It, 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 it exposes our flesh. It exposes the world in us. You know, create in me, O oh Lord, a clean heart because I need it. And, you know, I know his mercy is in you every day and, and that every day we can get it and start fresh no matter what happened the day before. And I thought, probably most importantly why we need to be watered by the word, our marriage needs to, need to be watered by the word, is that it gives us our communion with our Father, our God, the one who loves us most. It's having the author actually interacting with us and setting our day straight. 
you know, one of the things, too, that we need to water daily when we're with our husband in, in our marriage is pray for him, but pray for him in front of him. I'm, I'm sure you pray for him separately when he's at work. But say, mm-hmm. how, how can I pray for you today? How can I pray for you this week? What specifically is going on at work that, that I can, you know, labor for the Father? You know, your husband, your family is your first ministry. You know, and ask, ask your husband to write down ten things that makes him feel loved. And try to do those. You know, what, you know, we're all wired so differently and what, you know, it's kind of like the love languages. There's even the apology language where, you know, we all want to apology in a different way. And usually it's not the same as a husband and wife. I remember reading the book 1000 Gifts and a uh, very, really good book and, and thinking, you know, what am I thankful for about my husband? And just starting a, a notebook when I think of something or when he's done something and to put that down, like, and, and, you know, love is shown, you know, so many ways. It's not just I love you or flowers or roses. It's him letting you sleep in or it's him bringing home your favorite food or there's just little things. And so I, I encourage you to sit down and start your own book right of What am I thankful for? What has he done? What's, you know, I know there's more I can think of, it. and then every time he does it, write it down and keep keep a log of it. And I think a really great thing is all wives need to sign up for the Triple A Club, and that is the Accept, Admire, and Appreciate Film Club. So many times our husbands, you know, I mean, we might say I love you, and I know they know we love them, but what oftentimes for them it's stronger is to say, I admire you, I adore you. And, you know, you know, saying even something nice about his body. Hey, you're looking hot today. You know, they want to hear that. Hey, they got the dad bods like we get the mom bods. And, you know, they just need to hear that from us, the ones who know them, you know, more than anybody. Accepting and adapting to him, you know, not trying to change him, letting, letting God do that. You know, changing your husband actually is above your pay grade. So, you know, let, let, let God do that. And, and, and just thanking him for going to work. I mean, that he shows us he, he loves us, our husbands, by taking responsibility and going to work every day, especially for those homeschooling who have that uh, ability to to be home generally while your husband is is working. And I, it's so you know, I it's something that I always appreciated. And I'm so thankful. It, as much as my husband had his job, as much as he uh, was, you know, had trouble at work so many times, I. I just am so thankful, and I, and I have to keep remind myself to thank him for that because I know what he goes through. He doesn't want to complain, but but I always forget if he doesn't complain. One of one of the things that I did um, with my kids when they were little, and and I encourage you to do this as well, and is right before my husband came to the door, you know, about five minutes or so when I knew he was coming home, I would I would say to the kids, "Dad is going to be home in five minutes. Are you guys so excited?" And they would get so thrilled. And sometimes they'd walk in the door and they would just, I mean, they would just attack him. And it's because I had gotten them like like a cheerleader, getting them all riled up and ready and, and excited. Or, dad's walking in the door. Let's clap for him. He worked really hard today. And and just, you know, sometimes it's the little things that will bring life to, to your marriage. And, 
and you know what no matter what what you will do it's, it's something that maybe you haven't done i mean I, and i know sometimes we just take it for granted how much our husbands uh do for us but sometimes we have to really just show it out really and, and they appreciate it they they want to be appreciated and so the last thing i want to talk about is what i call the miracle bro you know that's something that probably my lawn can totally use uh because it it needs some kind of magic i flourish it and bring it back the other day i was with um my husband and he made a really interesting comment he said everything starts with a thought and that resonated with me, and I thought, you know, that is so true. Everything, everything, whether it's sin, whether it's an action, it all starts with a thought. So if everything starts with a thought, then that's where we need to be very cautious. About a year and a half ago, my husband got very, very ill, and he started having severe headaches, and he couldn't, he couldn't eat. He was throwing up every five minutes. You know, the, the, couldn't go to work. And this is a guy that always goes to work, even when he was on dialysis. And he, he couldn't move. He, he couldn't talk in the room because everything was so loud. And it just it just hurt his head so bad. And doctor called him numerous prescriptions. Nothing worked. And finally, I just, you know, after he basically um, shot me down several times, finally I said, that's it. You're going to the hospital. And, you know, we went to the hospital, and they said, you know, he has a 60% chance of having brain cancer or a 40% chance of having some kind of spinal fluid leakage on the brain. And neither one were, were good. And I just remember standing out in the hallway and looking out the window and thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a widow. Oh, my gosh, my kids. We don't have a dad. Oh, oh my gosh. What do I do? You know, I started thinking and I'm thinking and, and I started reflecting and what, what did I do wrong? What, did, what, what could I have done right? What would I have changed? Oh my gosh, you know, and, you know, so sort of a long story short, you know, the Lord did a miracle on him and healed him and he ultimately they couldn't, they, they found fluid on his brain, but they couldn't find what it was coming from and it basically healed itself and, you know, it was it was amazing, and I I had that testimony on my Facebook. We had a lot of people praying, and I'm so thankful for that. But but the thought, you know, Second Corinthians ten five says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when I got to thinking about it, and this I did this years and years ago, um, and, and you as a wife as a mom, if you go back in the depths of your memory, the memory lane, and you think about back when you were dating, and back in those days, all you thought about all day long was your husband. All you thought about before you got married, you couldn't wait to see him. You couldn't wait to dress up for him. You couldn't wait to finally marry him and, and be with him all day. And the more you thought about him, the more attractive you were to him. Because our subconscious mind is programmed by repetitive thoughts. Every song reminded you of him. He talked about him, how great he was. You know, before you fell asleep at night, he was on your mind. Kind of same thing the way affairs start. You know, all of a sudden you're thinking about someone else at work or down the street or on Facebook. And before you know it, that person's on your mind all the time. You know, what 
psychology calls this is the, psycho, the psychiatrist calls this the psychology of anticipation. It's where our brain produces dopamine, a chemical that's basically a neurotransmitter that causes excitement. And the dopamine stimulates happens when we start expecting good things. You know, if you want to know the technical term about how our brain works, basically it's a, a multi-layered ecosystem that's organized neurons, and they emit these spikes that last about a millisecond. And so every time each neuron fires up, you know, in the order of about 10, 10 times per second, and it spikes the circulation, this is technical, but basically it overtakes our brain. It sets things in motion. So for, for another word, thinking is the key to getting all our cylinders fired up and excited about your husband. And I think what happens is, you know, life happens. You know, we stop thinking about him. We, we, we have too much going on. We got our kids. We got schooling. We got bills. We got, you know, mom and dad coming over, whatever. And so we stop thinking about them. And, and years ago, I remember uh, when some situations happened, I said, you know what? I know what's missing. I don't. I know why I'm not excited about you uh, anymore. I mean, I said to myself, to my husband, I'm not thinking about you anymore. And so I started setting a, a clock a timer for about 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And at 11 o'clock, I stopped, and I thought about Jim. And I thought about how cute he was. And I thought about how he makes my heart flutter. And I thought about what he's out doing for my family. And the more I thought about him, the more excited I got, the more I couldn't wait um, to see him. And then I and then I started doing it maybe at 3 o'clock, and I started doing that. And then I told him about it. And then we kind of did a thing where we both set a timer, and we both, like on our watches, that's pre-cell phone. <laughs> if you don't remember those watches, are those things that, you know, we wear on our wrist, you know, <laughs> that you could probably get at a vintage store nowadays. <laughs> I know we all use our cell phones as, as timers now. But we did that. And, you know, that really made a huge difference. And, I, I you know, I think that, you know, we have to, it's something that we have to force us up to do, you know, to start thinking about him. But once you start thinking about him, just like you did when you were dating, you're going to start finding that you're excited about him. Because whatever you think about is what you're going to be excited about. And it, we don't want to be any other of the, the distractions or weeds that, that are all around us. And so it, it, it's an exciting thing. And, and you know what? As, as you get excited about him, he's going to get excited about you. As a matter of fact, sometimes sex can start in the morning. I mean, when he's getting ready for work, take your perfume bottle, spray it all over your bed and say, and as he looks at you doing that, say, hey, honey, hurry home tonight. And you know what? He's going to be thinking about you all day long. He can't help but think about you. One of the things that, that I used to do a lot, we did this when my kids went to college, and I used to do it with my husband as well. I haven't done it as much a long time. I really, I definitely carried over when my kids would come home from school. And that is, we would go out in the front yard and we literally would wave to them until they were completely out of sight. And I do that to this day when my kids come home. You know what? Do that for your husband. You know, when you when he's heading out the door, open up the door, stand there. Let him look at you. Let him let the last thing on his mind is you. Remember, you're setting the mood for his day. The, for the last five minutes before he leaves, and it's headed to work. That's what's gonna. That's what's going to cause him to have a good day or a bad day. And let his memory be you, with smiling and 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 throwing kisses at him. You know, no one gets an amazing marriage on its own. The weeds are gonna grow. You don't even have to plant them. 
we've got to remove the relationships that are causing division, that are causing us to uh, not draw close to our husband, but draw us, but to cause us to be further, have a further distance from them. Any any entertainment, take take a a inventory of what you're watching, what you're listening to, who you're talking to, your social media outlets. You know, are, are they choking your marriage? And then add in the nutrients of being one flesh in so many different areas of submission, of knowing what it is and what it's not, and 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 covering it all by the grace of God daily watering your marriage by the word you know without water everything will die and we have to have the water of the word you know it, you let him know that he makes your heart skip a beat he, it's hard to breathe sometimes when you think about him let him know that let him know that you can't stop thinking about him and and i once you start the ball rolling of thinking about him during the day you're going to want to think about him more. And then you're going to be so excited. And you're going to start feeling like you did when you were dating him. And, and, and it's going to be fresh. It's going to be new. So I just encourage all moms out there. You know, you're all walks of life. Young young married couples, been married a few years, maybe even been married a long time. And we all need encouragement. You know, iron sharpens iron. And just being able to, you know, hear some things from someone taking inventory, looking to see if there's any brown spots in your marriage. You know, cover those with prayer. Don't don't let them die. You know, your marriage, it's worth it. Your family's worth it. Christ is absolutely worth it. So don't neglect your marriage. Don't assume it's just going to grow on its own. That's, that's not how it works. Nobody gets um, an, an amazing lawn just by let it, letting it grow on its own, letting it do its thing, because the weeds will come, and, and the brown spots are going to come. And it, it needs our attention. So you have an amazing opportunity as a wife and mom to, to make marriage a priority and, and to dis- discipline yourself to tend to it. And, you know, if we all are honest with ourselves. We all want an amazing marriage. We all want to be excited like when we were dating. We, we know there's going to be so many things in our life and daily and things are going to come. But if we stay on top of it and we continue to tend, you know, the word husbandry means one who cares for the garden. You know, it's, no, it's probably not a, uh, a coincidence that the word husband comes from husbandry. And how it's all about, you know, the Lord and how he has, he makes everything work together. So I, I'm here just to encourage you, moms, that you can have an amazing marriage. And, and whatever's going on right now, you know, taking some inventory and putting everything back into priority, your ma- marriage can really be something that not only you're excited about, your kids are excited about, but people are going to look to your family, not not thinking it's perfect, because we know that, but looking to you for advice and strength. And, you know, we have the answer, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is the one that can make all things new. And so I'm here to just encourage you that today all things are new. And Christ, he is the hope of our glory. He is everything. And I just encourage you that today is the day to start. Oh, that was wonderful, Jean. Thank you so much. 
Um, we do have a couple of uh, comments and questions here, so let me get to that screen real quick. And uh, the first is a comment. Um, she said, I love what you said about the Holy Spirit convicting our husbands instead of nagging. This is something I can use in my life. Thank you. <laughs> I thought oh. that was really good, too. So so thank you so much, Amy, for writing that. And then this is from Jillian, and uh, she's from Ohio. And she said, oh, this is a hard one. What about the church letting you down? My husband left me and the kids, but the church backs him totally and believes his lies. I have to find another church because the pastor says he doesn't know who to believe. I'm not asking him to take sides, but I need help. You know, I have a friend that's in that same situation, and her husband, if you anybody would ask him, they would say, oh, this is the nicest guy in the world. And, you know, she he, he was mentally and physically abusive, and that very thing happened. Um, the church sided with her husband, and she had to leave as well. You know, I think that's a telltale sign of the church. I mean, a, a, almost an unhealthy church. If a, if, if a pastor or leadership is not willing um, to seek the Lord on, on your behalf, on both of your behalf, because they don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, they really don't know which side is which. But if they're not willing um, to seek the truth and have that discernment, then I don't necessarily think that that's a church you want to be in anyway, um, because... Obviously, you know, your husband or her husband is deceptive um, in that situation. And if they're going to, you know, adhere to him or to his side, then maybe that's not where you need to get your spiritual feeding from anyway. Right. Well, and the sad thing to me is that, you know, um, even without knowing the situation, you would think that they would help. And so, you know, they would help this lady and her children. So... Yeah, we'll definitely, um, thank you so much for your question, Jillian, and we'll definitely um, keep you in our prayers. And, um, you know, I just pray that it all all works out for you. But I can't imagine um, how difficult that the situation is for you because you want your right. church to be your support, right? Right. Well, you know what? You're going to find your out. You know, the, the, you're, nothing's going to go unhidden. And, you know, that church is ultimately responsible for those actions. And, 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 you know, and maybe the Lord will will deal with with their heart or maybe the the husband will um, expose himself into where the truth really does come out. But even if it doesn't, God God knows the truth. And and that's really all that matters. And 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 you just do what's right because we're only responsible for ourselves. I agree. I agree. Well, Jean, that's it. So thank you so much. Uh, we are out of time now, and I so appreciate you and all that you have um, done for the homeschool community. And um, you can reach, uh, get hold of Jean um, on her website at collegeprepgenius.com and see if you can find Jean um, at a local homeschool um, event or talk near you. And um, there's all kinds of contact information on Jean's website to get hold of her. And I invite you to listen every other week uh, to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast where you can catch the latest on the SAT and all kinds of um, scholarship-related uh, uh, types of of talks and, and much more. Jean, is the, you're just a wealth of information. So um, just appreciate appreciate you and happy to have you on this network as well. Well, thanks for having me. 
All right. Well, you take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. so happy you came to Mommy Jammy's Night. Please drop my guests a line and let them know how thankful you are that they gave their time. And follow up with me on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network Facebook page or via email. God's blessings upon you and your family. Thanks for joining us. Love and glory.